Welcome to the Westminster Chapel podcast. For more information and to support our mission to London and beyond, please visit westminsterchapel.org.uk. Welcome to the Westminster Chapel podcast. For more information and to support our mission to London and beyond, please visit westminsterchapel.org.uk. Acts 4.23 On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in it. You spoke by your Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against your anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in the city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Lord, I pray for your servant Dan now that he will speak the word of God boldly. And I pray, Lord, through your Holy Spirit that you will shake this place and shake us as individuals, Lord, that we might go out and be bold for you likewise. In your name, amen. Thank you, Lord. No worries. Thank you very much. Well, thank you very much. That was an amazing prayer to be prayed for like that. But let's start off with a bit of a confession. I, I think um, you discover something anytime you read the Bible, if you're looking and you're reading and reading it again. And I, I, when I was studying to prepare for this, I was reading around the passage, verse 1, verse 2, and I kind of wished I could delete some of these passages, some of the words in this passage, if you've got your Bible open and you want to turn back one page to uh, verse 1 of chapter 4, and I wish that when they convert or we convert to Christianity, we come to faith in Jesus, they gave you a little pen that you could, you know, maybe it would last for about four lines and you could magically erase certain parts of Scripture that you didn't want to apply to you. Maybe it's praying for your enemies, maybe it's uh, turning the other cheek, but there was one uh, per, one verse, one word in particular that I wish I could just kind of make go away. And it's when uh, Peter and John, they, they go to the priests and the captains and the temple guards and the Sadducees, and they were greatly disturbed. 
because of what they were preaching. That word greatly disturbed, and my translation is greatly annoyed. I was sitting in a cafe studying. I was up in Walthamstow, where, if you know, we're looking to plant a church, and I was in a very cool uh, cafe, and I was having a chat with the owner about the beans they use and the roasting and all that stuff, and I was looking at that, and I was like, greatly annoyed. Do I want to greatly annoy this guy? And, and I, I wish it could have disappeared at that point, but that's what God called them to, and if people understand us, we're not seeking to annoy people, but they, some people will become greatly annoyed because they were teaching about the resurrection of Jesus, proclaiming that. And they seized Peter and John, and they throw them in prison. And I started thinking about that. Would I want to go to jail? Okay, first we go greatly annoying people. Then we go to jail. This is getting worse and worse for uh, these believers. And then almost bolt out of the blue, Luke includes this, verse 4. But many who heard the message believed, and the number of men grew to about 5,000. So that means you got a church of about 10,000 if you include all the adults. I'm thinking about that about no more than a year earlier. Pentecost had happened. The church had ballooned to 3,000 people. And then started thinking, oh man, that's a bit different, isn't it? Would I greatly annoy people? Would I uh, suffer going to jail in order to see 10,000 people? And the better question is, what would I do next? What would you do next? Howard, what would you do next if you were thrown in jail and this building were full to the rafters of new believers? Would you stop? Or would you keep going? I think that's the challenge that we see for these early believers. And the way we're stringing the message together, there's three things that don't go together, or we don't think they should go together, but they actually do. The first one that we're talking about right now is that growth and pain, they go together. The next is that the source of boldness is when we see God's greatness and we see the privilege we have in praying to him. And finally, that last one that we'll end on, it's something that you may not think about, but God's power seems to go together when his people gather to pray. There's gathering to pray, and there's God's power, and they go together. So that's what we're looking at today from this chapter here. So what would you do if you're on God's mission and you hit it starts bottoming out. And it seems like the more effort that you put in, the less well things go. To kind of put a bit of a different spin on this, you may know the, uh, he's a famous like TED Talk guy. He writes about business and all that stuff. He wrote a book, um, Seth Gooden, he wrote this, wrote this book called The Dip. And he says that the idea is that in life, in business and anything, we hit dips and we don't know, is it going to turn up or is it just going to keep going down. He has a great example in his book. He says, the woodpecker can tap 20 times at a thousand trees and go hungry. Or it can bash its head 20 times against the same tree and get dinner. And this is the challenge in life, whether it's starting a business, whether it's completing a course, whether it's a relationship, whether it's anything worthwhile, we need to know which things are we called to keep bashing our heads against, keep persevering in. 
And our tendency is to assume that when we're in a dip, that it's time to quit. So you got to know which things you got to lay behind. Sometimes there's things that are dead ends. Sometimes there's things that are dives, and they're just going to get worse and worse no matter how much else. But we've got the advantage that we see the rest of the story. We see where Acts 4 leads to Acts 5, 6, etc., right to Acts 28. We see that within a year, alongside persecution, so when Stephen is martyred, Stephen is killed, that the persecution that arises from that is going to spread the church, and people are going to be spreading the gospel as they go, and new churches are going to reach new regions and uh, disciple and evangelize new believers, and the church is going to go farther than it could have gone otherwise. In this same persecution, the greatest enemy of the early church is going to be found on a road to Damascus, and he's going to turn, be turned into Christianity's greatest uh, proclaimer, his greatest proponent, Saul. And yet, at the end of Acts 9, 9.31, I believe it is, we hear that the, the church has peace in the area after this, and it's multiplying, and it's walking in the, the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Anytime Paul goes with Barnabas in one of his few missionary trips, there just seems to be those two things going along, where there's persecution running alongside this amazing growth. There's gains and there's pains. Now, I thought to pad this out and make myself, you know, try and connect with people, I said, oh man, gains and pains, that sounds like something a, a fitness trainer would say. So I went and talked to the only fitness trainer that I really know, I said, he's here at the church, Martin, I said, Martin, do you ever use, you know, or, or people that you work with, fitness trainers, do you guys ever use the word no pain, no gain? And he kind of looked at me, and we had like a flash, both of us had a flash of realization, actually. We kind of both realized that I know nothing about gyms or fitness or anything like that, because he's like, uh, no, no, we don't, we don't use that phrase. And then I didn't ask him my next question, which had to do with form-fitting lycra and headbands and little microphones around there. But he says, but the principle holds that you don't get to reach your goals unless you're willing to put in a sacrifice. You see, these believers, they know what God has called them to. They know from the start of Acts that Jesus says to them, you will be my witnesses, and you will witness to the ends of the earth. And he's also told them that how people receive me, Jesus says, they will receive you. If they persecuted me, they'll persecute you. And so what we can take from this is that it is actually okay to feel daunted, to feel very unbold when we look at what God has called us to do. It is perfectly fine. What it means is we just need boldness to keep going, to keep doing. And if the apostles need boldness, how much more are we? They say it in verse 19, they say, is it right to listen to you rather than to God? They know the answer to that question, and yet they still find it hard. And so, that's why they all gather together, and that's where this prayer, this amazing prayer, it grows out of this horrible persecution. See, God's got great things in store for us. He's got growth and blessing, and yet he's also lined up troubles that we have to overcome, trials. 
says in Acts 14 that it's through many trials and tribulations that we enter the kingdom of God. So the question I'll leave with you before we move on to this next point is, are you in a dip today? Are you in a dead end or a dive? If you're in something that God's not called you to, it could be a situation, a relationship, it could be anything, it's time that you, you go find another tree to bash your head against. But if you're in a dip, if God's called you to do something, to keep going, to keep persisting, to keep sharing, to keep showing love, it's actually all the more important to get boldness so that you can come through that dip and you can see what God has for you. The um, next point, greatness of God. God's greatness is what we need to see if we want to become bold. And building on that, the privilege of prayer, and I'll explain just how those ones don't really go together. See, at this point, the preaching of the gospel had been kind of tolerated with a sidelong glance. It was uh, not welcomed by the authorities in Jerusalem, but it wasn't outright illegal. But after this point, doing what Jesus had asked them to do, and the Holy Spirit had empowered them to do, and what the authorities in the land uh, were telling them to do, were coming right into direct conflict. After this point, it would be illegal for them to continue on. And so they have to get a bigger picture of God to, so they can deal with the fear of man that's creeping in. In his book, uh, When People Are Big and God is Small, the author, Ed Welch, he puts it like this. He says, we fear people because they can expose or humiliate us. We fear people because they can reject, ridicule, or despise us. We fear people because they can attack, oppress, or threaten us. They can uh, shame us, they can uh, reject us, or they can even hurt us. But he says what these three things have in common is this, that they see people as bigger, that is more significant and more powerful than God is. And out of that fear that that creates in us, we give them the right to tell us what to think, to do, and to feel. See, it's common to all of us. We face this problem with a fear of man. But the antidote is to see God in his greatness. And that's why they start off in verse 24. They say, Sovereign Lord, who made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything that is in them. Now, I don't know how long a Planet Earth documentary would take to cover all of that, but it would be immense. I don't know if as they were praying this, they could see images flashing in front of their eyes of the, the, the Milky Way and the nebula and the galaxies and the stars, and then to the seas teeming with life and fish, right down to the very bottom of the, of the ocean where the vents and there's amazing life forms there growing, to the land and all the people and all the, um, the wildlife and the, the beauty and the splendor of creation. I don't know what was going before them, but it is really hard to think on all of that and still worry about what our neighbors think of us. 
It's even harder when they go on and say, even your enemies, Lord, had predestined what they're only doing, what you had predestined them to do. They gathered themselves against you in the city, and they did only what your plan and your hand had predestined. So even in this worst outcome you could imagine for the early Christian movement of the crucifixion of Jesus, they see in it God's perfect plan of bringing good through much suffering. If I could try and uh, explain what this will do to your prayer life, I would say it like this. If you can imagine for a moment an uh, an extreme close-up on two ants arguing over picnic crumbs. And, And it's very important that these ants, they need it, and they've got their little pinchers, and they're pulling back and forth, and um, you're extreme close-up, two inches off the ground. And then in a moment, you zoom up high, high above the mountains, high above the clouds, all the way up 36,000 kilometers to where the Google Earth satellite is taking place, and you look down at that same picture. It puts it in perspective. God is calling us to his heart, and to get boldness, we need to see just how big he is. That's the thing that's going to help us get over a fear of people. That's the thing that's going to help us step into everything that he's called us to do, even when it's hard, even when it takes us into a dip. Look how humbly the believers pray to him. They say, you spoke through your servant David, through your holy servant Jesus, and we your servants, they say. We're asking you. So they they get this picture that God is huge, more immense and more wonderful and powerful than we can imagine. Why would he even listen to our prayers? And this is where that second P, we see the, the greatness of God, but how does the privilege of prayer work in with that? Now, I don't know if you, um, you follow memes or the internet life uh, much, but I'm just going to look around here to check for a haircut. I hope there's no one named Karen with a swept haircut who's white and middle-aged because there is uh, something going around the internet where uh, they say, oh, that's a Karen. Oh, that's a Karen, the bane of serv- the service industry and retail. And it's, uh, if you look up the dictionary definition of a Karen, it is an entitled middle-aged white woman with a swept haircut who complains to retail and da-da-da-da. Uh, and the whole joke is that there's these people that will pester and pester and pester with this gigantic sense of, of privilege to get what they want. And to be, let's be fair, I, don't, I didn't see any Karens or any Karen candidates. Hands up. Okay, no way. Okay, good. We're, we're, in, we're in the clear here. But... We all need to channel our inner Karen at some point or another. We moved up to Walthamstow. I was being unfairly, I think, treated by our internet provider. And I was talking with this otherwise lovely lady on the phone. And she said, I'm sorry, Mr. Skeed. Uh, Yeah, I'm looking over at my manager right now. And she's shaking her head. And I said, well, uh, can you put her on the phone and have her tell me that? And then, it's like the door opened. And everything started changing. Now, I, I wasn't being cheeky about it. I wasn't being, I, I think, unfair. I was just pressing for what was fairly, I think, in our court. But you speak to the manager, and things get done. 
That's the whole rule of what Karen, uh, that's the whole prayer of Karen, if you will. We've heard of the prayer of Jabez, but this is a prayer of Karen. Sometimes when there is no higher appeal, we need to pray the prayer of Karen. We need to say, I'm speaking to the manager above all managers. That's exactly what the believers are doing here. So this is a cheeky and audacious, audacious prayer. But this is how prayer works in the Bible. Just think one, one example of Abraham pleading for Sodom. He goes to God, the, the, the audacity. He goes to God and he tells him, far be it from you. God says, oh, this is what I'm thinking of doing. He says, far be it from you. You're the judge of the whole earth. Will you sweep away the righteous with the unrighteous? No. Sometimes God allows us to get into a place where we have to be cheeky and audacious. And audacious, I keep messing that word up, but and stand on our privilege of prayer. Yes, God is high above. Yes, we are arguing. In some of our prayers, we are arguing over picnic scraps. But when God's promised something, that is time when we need to be cheeky. And it's almost like this. If, if you went to a restaurant and your order came out completely different, you would call the, the restaurant manager up and you'd say, no, no, that's not what, that's not what you, you put here. The, the steak is well done, not rubbery and overdone. There's a generous serving of uh, fries that are crispy, not soggy, two lone little soggy uh, white blobs, and there's a, uh, you know, a, a, a salad that was made this decade, actually. <laughs> you'd go back and you'd say, look, that's not what was on the picture. And this is what the believers do here. They go back to Psalm 2. They say, we know you had this plant. We know that everything that happened was predestined to take place. And we know how that psalm ends. They are going to God, one early preacher in the church, John Chrysostom, said. They are going to God, and they are suing him on the basis of his own covenants. On the basis of his own promises and his character, they are going to him and saying, no, far be it from you. They're saying, if you expect us to continue pushing forward in what you've called us to, we are going to need boldness. What are you going to do about it? It is a very cheeky prayer. Look, consider their threats. Grant to us boldness. And then they throw in like the dessert. They say, well, you continue to stretch out your hand and heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Sometimes Levi will ask us something and I, I, I'm trying to like just punt the question into the long grass hoping he doesn't pick it up again. I say, ask me after dinner. You eat your dinner. We'll, we'll talk about it later. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. He'll remember. He's getting a better memory these days. So I got to be really careful. Now, I am lazy. I'm selfish, and I'm forgetful, and I'm kind of hoping that he will not ask me again. But if there's ever a discrepancy between what God has promised and what we're experiencing, God is waiting for us. He's inviting us to pray cheeky prayers to come back and say, this is what you've said. This is what you've promised. And I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm far worse than God. And I don't, I don't cast him out. 
I don't say you're cut off from the family. I don't say, how dare you take my own word against me. How much more will God respond well to us when we say, God, you've called me to be a witness. You've called me to show love to people around me, and yet I need boldness. He's going to love that kind of prayer. He's going to answer that kind of prayer. And this leads us to the last G and P that kind of goes together or doesn't go together, as you might imagine. Gathering to pray and God's power. Now, I've just gone and I've just painted a big picture from this verse of just how big God is. He doesn't need anyone's prayers. He's the sovereign Lord and everything he predestines happens. And so why is it that when we see the believers gather to pray, that's when and where God's power shows up? And the best I can do for you is... um, remind you of what John Wesley said about prayer. He said that God does nothing without it and everything with it. That the God who is predestining everything also predestines the instruments, the means by which these things come about. And so if God is determining to bless this church, this city, um, this church plant, he won't do it except through these kinds of prayers except and especially when we gather for prayer. You can see in verse 33 that great power is the answer to these prayers. Great grace is with all of these believers. There's a specific way they need to gather. Now, we, 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 we all know that we need to gather for things. We're gathered today. But that word in, I think it's 24, where they say they are gathered together is the word that is constantly used by Luke to say they're of one mind, they're of one accord, they've got a shared purpose. Yes, there's a sacrifice when we gather to pray. We can't be at home, um, kicked up in our jammas, watching Netflix with a bag of Cheetos, and I wish it were that way. But no, we actually have to come. We actually have to, to, to come to the same place. We have to get on the same page. But that's the, that's the second part of this, that it is more than just gathering in a room. It's gaining a shared perspective. It's gaining a shared purpose where God shows his power. And look more specifically at how he answers these prayers. There's this amazing sense of God's love. And it says that everybody that gathered there was filled with the Holy Spirit. The man who wrote this, Luke, he traveled in a uh, missionary team, I guess you could say, in um, these, these times. And the guy who led his missionary team for much of it was, was named Paul. And he writes in Romans 5.5, 5, and he's talking about how do we keep going when um, the Christian life is so hard, and he ends off this amazing chain of truths with this, that we know, well, I've now completely blanked on that one, that's right, we know that God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. When you read in Acts, about God pouring his Holy Spirit into these believers. 
Think this, they know that God loves them. They have a great sense that God's love has been poured into their hearts, that they are servants, that is true, but they are also loved children, that any enmity that their sins have caused them has been completely erased by the cross, and all there is is there's joy in their relationship with God. That's how God is drawing us towards him. There's a love from God, but there's also... In addition to a love, a perfect love that casts out fear, there's a love for others. You see, what we're looking for when we fear people is we're looking for acceptance. We're looking for our worth. We're looking for their love. But that which we crave and we look for in other people can only be met by God. And so when God's love is poured into their hearts, they are freed up to love other people as they ought. Ed Welch, again, in that book, he puts it this way. He says, our main problem is that we need people more than we love them. We need people for ourselves more than we love them for the glory of God. And he continues, our task is to love people more and need them less. They gain this one heart and one mind, verse 32. There's sacrificial giving as they don't consider anything they own their own, and they, they give to any as there's need. And so it says in verse 34 that there was no needy person among them. As the love of God is poured into their lives, they are freed to show love to other people. And that does issue in sharing their stories as well. I don't know, we, we as a church, we've got a style point that is all about, we're about blessing people. And I think sometimes we wish it was just we were all about blurring people. You know, because the first three are quite easy. We can pray on our own. We can listen to people all day. We can eat with them. We do that 21 times a week. That's actually quite easy. But sharing, and well, that's the last one, but serving people and sharing our story can be hard. But yet that's what he's called us to. It's not bleh, it's not bleh, it's bless. That double S is important. The last special way that God answers this prayer is just this, that he shakes the building. I love this. It was like, what, what purpose was that? Was that divine pyrotechnics? Was that just some kind of flash in the pan? I think it's God showing them generously, I'm with you. It doesn't serve a purpose. We don't... In, Stall, you know, building shakers into our churches as, a, as a, on the back of this. But anytime God shows up in power, like back at Pentecost, there's the sound of the rushing wind. It's like Kiara times Dennis at the same time, and it's going on outside. And here, it's like an earthquake. When Paul and Silas are in prison in Acts 16, um, the, the actual jail shakes their shackles loose. God gives us enough proof and more to let us know that he's with us, that he's behind us. He's getting us through that dip. As bad and as deep as it gets, he'll give you proof to keep going. London desperately needs, Waltham so desperately needs, a people shaken out of fearing people more than they fear God. A people who have been filled with the love of God so that they can love other people 
as they ought to. And what could be more loving than sharing their story, than testifying to how Jesus is alive in their life, changing them, and that new life can be found through him for anybody. That is the most loving thing that we can do. And as we just land here, I, I think the, the way to apply this for all of us is, yes, we've got to share our faith. But are we gathering to pray in order to see God's boldness, his power released in our lives? Are we trying to go this as lone rangers? There are a few gatherings that I wanted to point out. There's the prayer meeting. That's the really easy one. That fits the bill. Are you going to come on the 26th? Are you going to come expectant to see God shake your life and London? But even today, there's a, there's a prayer team where you can gather with a couple other people. Maybe there's a, a dip that you're in that you need to know that God's in this with you. Maybe you have a sickness. Maybe there's something that you need specific prayer for. Well, you can gather with one or two other people and pray. And we're in faith that God will answer. He'll get you through. He'll get you back on track. He'll prove to you that he's with you. And maybe the power to get through it, it may be the power of a miracle or something like that. But I would encourage you, if that's you today, don't walk out the doors without seeking God's power when you gather to pray. So what we looked at, we just said, there's some things that just do not go together, but we, we might keep them apart. We might not understand how they get together, but they, they do. We can see that when we gather, it's God's power comes to meet us. We see that God's greatness is how we're supposed to be approaching him in prayer that we're not to be belittling him. And yet, at the same time, we have an amazing privilege of prayer. And we're supposed to be praying bold prayers to see more boldness come. And we see well, wherever we're at, that growth and pain, they go together. That actually growing pains is a real thing and not just a 90s or an 80s, 90s uh, cheesy TV show. But we're going to uh, respond now in some time, I believe, of worship. And if you are needing prayer, I would point you to the back. Don't let today pass without gathering with people to pray and see God's power in your life. Amen. Thanks for listening to Sermon Audio from Westminster Chapel. If you'd like to partner with us in making disciples and sharing the gospel, please consider making a one-off or regular donation. Visit westminsterchapel.org.uk forward slash giving to find out how. listening to sermon audio from Westminster Chapel. If you'd like to partner with us in making disciples and sharing the gospel, please consider making a one-off or regular donation. Visit westminsterchapel.org.uk forward slash giving to find out how.